0: This is episode number 71 with Dr. Kristen Kale. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, and welcome back. It's Michelle here with another episode of the Good Life Coach podcast. So I've brought on Dr. Kristen Kale, who was a guest in episode number 63, and we talked about what it takes to scale to seven figures in that episode. So if you're an entrepreneur and looking to scale and grow your business, you're going to want to tune in. And you can also learn more about Kristen's backstory. And during that interview, I asked her, I said, can you recommend a business book? And she said, oh yeah, mine. And I said, yours, I didn't know you had one. And so it just came out. It's called "Motivation: Use the Power of No to Make Your First Million Dollars. And it's a quick read, but there's so many great nuggets and she calls them nuggets. There are nine nuggets in the book to learn about reclaiming your power as a woman. I think it's an important book to read. And what I really appreciated about the way Kristen did it is that there's a lot of vulnerability in there for sharing many stories in her life where she was told no and how that really empowered her to take her power back so many key messages that vulnerability is power and forgiveness is power. And in terms of the business side, Kristen gets into many of the nuggets today. Um, Some of my favorite ones about how to introduce yourself as a woman, how to introduce your business, how to ask for help, how to show up in meetings, how to find like-minded people, the systems that help you scale to being a seven-figure entrepreneur, what you need to have in place. I mean, so many great tips. Before we jump into today's show, I just need to note that there are some swear words to use in today's episode. And they were in Kristen's book, and I have chosen to leave it as is versus bleep it out for the trueness of what she's writing and the emotion behind it. So just a note to you to put on earphones if you've got little kids around while you're tuning in. So great, great conversation, so heartfelt, and so many great tips from Dr. Kristen Kale. Let's get into the show. Kristen
1: Kale, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, your book was so fun to read. I feel like it was combination memoir, business strategy. It made me laugh. It actually brought me to tears in a few places. Um, I'm just going to kick it off with your dedication of your book. To all of the people who told me no in my life, I couldn't have done it without you fuckers. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Isn't that a great dedication? <laughs> I think I think it sets the tone for the book for sure.
0: I was just going to say that it absolutely sets the tone for where <laughs> this book is going. But you, um, you start. You know, the book is "No Division: Use the Power of No to Make Your First Million Dollars." And "No" is a word that you've heard since you were a little girl. You tell a lot of great stories. Uh, take us into those early days for you. Take take us into one of those early no's and how, you know, now with this book, you've kind of connected these dots of how it's like shown your 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 power.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's been a uh, therapeutic book. Also, I think was one of the things that I thought about after I wrote it, and of course, vulnerability. You know, certainly sharing my stories um, have have been really exciting to me, and the the outcry of people that have said. Oh my gosh, your second grade teacher! Or oh my gosh, I can't believe this. So, you know, the the one that stands out to me probably the most is all of the educational issues that I had, and I use issues in air quotes. You know, back in the day, which we don't really need to know what day it was, but it was just a long time ago. <laughs> um, teachers just didn't just teachers just didn't know how to respond to children that didn't learn the same way as everybody else. Yeah and I was never a a learner of everybody else. I was hyper to some extent, I was bored to some extent, and I couldn't gravitate towards math. And I'll always remember the day that my second grade teacher, Mrs. Pruder, who of Mm -hmm. course is in the book, Mm -hmm. said to me that I would never amount to anything because I didn't understand multiplication tables. Well, little did she know Calculators were going to come out on your phone and calculators (laughs) were going to be everywhere and nobody needs multiplication tables ever. It's kind of like algebra. Do you ever use it again? Mm -hmm. But it really shaped my childhood with my love-hate relationship with learning. Mm -hmm. I really loved reading and I really enjoyed all of the things that books brought to me. And I think the reason I loved books so much was it made me escape to a time where I didn't feel... So inadequate, and I didn't mm-hmm. feel so sad, and I didn't feel like crying every day when I came home from school. So for me, it, it was really that love-hate relationship. But it, it it really started my foundation. It was the first time that I had been told no, mm-hmm. right? And so second grade is one of those things that you remember. Or at least I remember totally. And I was told no from there on out, and I just sort of had that little girl power stance, put my hand on my hips. And I was like, nobody's going to tell me, no, I know I can do this. And so really for me, that was probably one of the most traumatic times in my life, Mm -hmm. but it was also one of the things that I stood in my power.
0: Totally. And traumatic because you were being told you weren't good enough as a little girl. Right. You were never going to accomplish. I mean, for a teacher to tell you you would never make anything of your life. That's harsh. That's harsh. I think we've all had some teachers say something inappropriate like that. But, you know, she wasn't just focusing it on the immediate. She was like projecting your future, which is a horrible thing to say to a little
1: kid. Well, and one of the things that I didn't bring up in my book was there was about five teachers that held that kind of power or tried to take my power away from me. So every degree that I received I made a copy of my certificate or my (laughs) diploma and sent them a copy with a nice little (laughs) note. So they always got something back from me that said, maybe you shouldn't have said that to children, or maybe you shouldn't have been so mean to children. Here you go, fuckers, right? Which is why my dedication says that.
0: (laughs) True story. Oh my goodness. Good for you. Well, good for you. And I think, you know, uh, yeah, I I had a guest on actually who. told me how a fifth grade teacher told her that she would become a published author and she did. And I think, you know, it can go both ways. You can reinforce a child and boost them and give them a sense of, you know, that they've got all these possibilities within them, or you can just try to, you know, destroy them at, what were you? Let's see, eight years old. I mean, that's just yeah. awful. Awful. Seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, seven. Yeah. okay, but Kristen, so you started with the no, even younger than that. So you tell a very touching story in the book when you were four years old. That this is where it brought me to tears. Can you take us into this story because you you must think you came out of the womb feisty, no doubt about it. You were ready to go. <laughs> Nobody's going to tell well, Kristen remember... no. Nobody's putting Kristen in a corner.
1: <laughs> yeah, nobody puts baby in a corner. Now remember, you know, I came out of the womb and I had my little. Arm come out and push my mom away, so I definitely <laughs> came out of the womb a little feisty. But yeah, you, you know, um, again, back in the day, and I think I used the date in the '70s when my brother um, was diagnosed with a very rare form of leukemia. Mm. It really was a traumatic time for my family and for me, and just obviously for him too. And so, what ended up happening was obviously um, I ho- I held the record at the time. For being the u s. youngest bone marrow donor, wow. And so most people don't realize what it takes to be a bone marrow donor and how painful it is with needles and hammers and and giant needles, and you know five being five years old. And what mm. what I love about the way that my family handled this situation, was they really let me stand in not only my power, but my decision-making skills as a five-year-old. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what parents would do that, Mm -hmm. but my parents had the forethought to actually know that I was going to be a force to be reckoned with. And they knew that I didn't need to be talked to, talked about it that I was going to make the decision, whatever that decision may be. And so, you know, I made the decision early on that, yes, I wanted to save my brother's life. And yes, there's no question about it. And yes, I was impatient about why I had to go to therapy. And yes, I just want to get this over with. Like, Mm -hmm. how hard is this? Let's Mm -hmm. go. I'm a donor. Let's go. Let's get this done. And that sort of became the roadmap for me on a lot of the things I do, right? So when you're a CEO, you make a decision and you have to make quick decisions and you have to make, you know, rapid fire decisions. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. And so, you know, for me, it started at a really young age that I became that impatient child Mm -hmm. because yes, I made this decision. Now let's move forward with it. And so, um, you know, I always think about that because, My brother, interesting enough, has that exact same criteria in his life. Mm. So I'm wondering if he got it with my bone (laughs) marrow or if he always had it. So there's part of me that thinks, oh, shit, I gave him this whole impatience because it came with my bone marrow. So so I always joke about that a little bit. <laughs>
0: That's actually hilarious. And there's actually research about that, that there's cellular memory and it goes with the organs or in this case with the marrow. Yep. Yeah. But so I'm just going to paint a little richer picture here because in it, everyone in your family was, was not a donor. They were not a match and you were just a little girl. Correct. And they took you away and put you with your grandparents for a little while because the state was thinking that no, this isn't. I mean, it this was a big ordeal that happened. and then they finally allowed you to be that donor. and you write about how just what you said with the hammers and needles. I mean, you were you weren't even sedated. I, I imagine they sedate people now, don't you think?
1: No, I, it, the way that they do it is is they pull it from your back, and so oh. you definitely um, have some sedation, but but you are awake during the process so you definitely are awake and laying on you know on your stomach and obviously watching all this and, and it is extremely painful um but but I will tell you this it, it is a pain that I would endure today it's yeah. a pain that I would endure tomorrow and it wouldn't even be a thought in my mind ever again
0: yeah you're a brave little girl and a, and one that obviously <laughs> loved her brother so so lots of no's in the story that you talk about so but what prompted you to put it into a book. You know, why did you want to write this book now? What are you hoping it'll awaken within women?
1: Yeah, um it's a great question and I feel like, you know, every time I dabble a little bit of my story to people that I allow in, yes, I said that, I allow into my life, mm-hmm. um the vulnerability that comes out from sharing that creates a vulnerability from them also. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't realize until I started telling my story how impactful it is, how much people are struggling with the same things, Mm -hmm. maybe not being a bone marrow donor at five, but certainly being told no, and they're struggling with the same thoughts and ideas and things that I have going on. And they're wondering how I'm able to do whatever it is that I'm able to do, create three companies, you know, sell my businesses, have three companies over a million dollars, how is it that I'm able to do some of those things? So sharing that vulnerability really, as I said, was, was therapeutic, but it also told me there's lots of other women that are out there mm-hmm. that are sitting in this mindset and this head game with their little, you know, itty bitty shitty committee that's going on in their brain mm-hmm. and, and they're fighting it and not necessarily knowing that there's somebody that has also fought the battle yeah. and has won. So that's really why I felt it was time to do it. And I also feel the movement right now with women and women-owned businesses mm-hmm. is amazing and I'm so excited that there's more to embrace in this million-dollar sisterhood that I can't wait for more people to come in.
0: Totally. Totally. So let's dive in. There are nine nuggets in the book. We're going to cover mm-hmm. some of the key ones that stood out to me. So you know, you talk about not only are we trying to excel in a male-dominated industry, in male-dominated industries or where men are favored, but women are holding themselves back. Let's mm-hmm. talk about this. What do you see, like, why are women holding themselves back? Why are they afraid? And how do you, what's the mindset shift they need to make to, you know, turn that light on and own their power?
1: Yeah, so... My uh, motivational nugget too is, is definitely about shifting your mindset. And one of the quotes, I know you loved it, was that women are walking around to remind themselves mm-hmm. that they have power mm-hmm. because they're they're so used to giving it away. I've given away my power. Um, now, now I know if I give it away, I know how to take it back. And I always fight that debate about Did I did I not say that because I gave away my power or should I have spoken up in that board meeting? Mm -hmm. So I think really for me, it's really about understanding your worth and what you bring to the table, uh, whatever table that is, the Mm -hmm. board table, the kitchen table, the PTA table, whatever table that you're you're walking up to because everybody walks up to a table to some extent, Mm -hmm. understanding what your power is that you're bringing into it. So, I always think it's really important to understand that we do need to keep on saying to ourselves, "We are powerful, and we are we've got this, and and we can handle all of this stuff without sitting back and sitting in the chair and not engaging. So, really just talking about how to engage as well as, how to engage in a male-dominated area, <laughs> yep. which of course I know you love my motivational nugget five, yes, which is be your own hero, <laughs> yes. right? So really sort of deciding what you're going to be and how you're going to have be your own hero. And so the two of them go hand in hand with shifting that mindset and being able to stand in your own power.
0: Awesome. And so you tell yourself that, but give it, let's go a little more tactical. So how, how do you become your own hero? What, what does that look like day to day?
1: Well, for me, it's wins, right? It's, it's small victories and small wins. And I'm a, you know, I'm a college athlete and Mm -hmm. I love to keep the scoreboard going, right? So for me, it's those small wins. You know, I mentioned in that book that women traditionally have this giant to-do list, right? Mm -hmm. And you've just set yourself up for failure by just going over 10 items or 12 items or 15 items. Mm -hmm. And then you look at that at the end of the day and you think, gosh, I only accomplished three or four of them. So my point is shift your mindset, put down three items. Mm -hmm. If you get wins of three of three in that day, great. If you achieve five in that day, that's freaking awesome, right? Totally. So I think being able to just shift the mindset, you can't do everything in one day. We all know that. And we all know that we're going to try to do it. So just shift the mindset. If you have 18 things to do, divide it up amongst the week and be able to celebrate those little wins that come out.
0: Yeah, I think that was an important uh, point that you raise in the book and that you just talked about—it's true. I think we women, you know, we pride ourselves on our ability to multitask. We're good at it, but we ne- we shouldn't necessarily put 18 things on our to-do list. But that's absolutely what happens every day. It's like, okay, I got all this stuff to get done, and you're right. Instead of feeling great about yourself, you feel like, oh gosh, I I only got like you said three things done. But if you only had started with three, you'd be like, great, I feel great. I got three things done. It's uh, I think that's actually it's a it's it's a simple thing to do, but the results of it will be so profound, so that's great. Um, Women also hold each other back. I, I think probably most women who are listening have had an experience, whether they worked in a corporate setting, nonprofit, I don't care where it was, a school system, someone, some other woman trying to take their power. Let's, you know, I wanna call this out because I think one of the biggest ways that we're gonna get ahead is to shift this dynamic and to really support each other, but that isn't always the case. So, what advice do you have uh, around this uh, this topic? And you do talk about a woman who basically was uh, intimidated by you because of your height and was telling you not to be so tall.
1: Like, what? <laughs> what? There, there's really not much I can do about that. And, <laughs> and, and interesting about that is that that's not the first person who is, or, or first woman that has said that to me. You know, when I was a, A little ballerina dancer, my my mom and dad thought it'd be very important for me to go and dance. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, I shot up with my height uh, immediately, which again, there's nothing I can do about that. And one of the Russian ballet teachers said, you know, she can't dance with these girls because she's too much taller than them. And my mom got all feisty with her and said, you know, tell my daughter she sucks or tell my daughter she doesn't have good footwork. Tell my daughter anything that she can control. Tell her she needs to practice harder. Don't tell her that she needs to do something about something she can't control.
0: Totally. So
1: I think, you know, I think I've had a few of those lessons. And when I listen to other women, I think a couple things come through. The first is, Mentoring, right. And, mm-hmm. and it's so important now. I didn't have a mentor. Mm-hmm. Not really. I mean, I had some, some males that threw, mm-hmm. you know, threw some training at me, mm-hmm. but it really wasn't the relationship of mentor to mentee. And I really didn't have that. So I would challenge your listeners who are sitting in my position that have some great power, that have some great lessons, start mentoring, start mentoring some of these young girls, because all they're really looking for is some advice on how to get through. So I think, yes, take on that, that mentor situation, but really step up to the table, as I've mentioned, Mm -hmm. so that you can really help women come to the table also so that they can give it back. So mentoring is number one for me. I think number two for me is drama, right? I think when I always tell people that I have an all-female business mm-hmm. and we have no drama, people start laughing and they don't think that's truly legitimate. Mm-hmm. They can't well, drama believe it. starts at the yeah, right, exactly. Right. Yeah. and drama drama starts at the top. Mm-hmm. So if you have no drama, your employees will have no drama. Yes, there'll be things around you know every day that occurs are urgent um, that you just need to calm down about and mm-hmm. just figure out a process. For that urgent situation. But drama is something that a lot of women, especially men, some, somewhat like to thrive on. It, it's, it's sort of like a game to them. And I would encourage a lot of women to think about what kind of drama they bring to the table and making sure that they're not bringing drama to the table that's, you know, unnecessary and unhealthy. And it's something that I really always want to acknowledge that really at the beginning of your career as a leader, you're the one that holds that drama meter. Mm. So just be aware that that's where you want to gauge yourself every day.
0: So key. It's so key. And Kristen, you know, I'm wondering, so did she tell you you're too tall? And that makes yeah. her, and it makes, her, uncom- <laughs> and it makes you, her uncomfortable. So how did you handle that? Like, let's get, again, a little more tactical of some, because, you know, we've all, we've all had, I, I, I'm not going to share the story now because we're going to focus on you, but we've all had these
1: situations
0: and uh, I'd love to hear, you know, how you mm-hmm. managed that.
1: Yeah. So every day in my life, t- even today, there will be a, a point in my life that somebody comments about my height it just is what happens in my world. Yes, I know I'm tall. Yes, I didn't wake up like this, right? I've known I've been tall my whole life pretty much, right? So so I'm like, wow, this isn't anything new. And so for me, it's really about um, how I'm going to handle whatever it is that's brought up. So when this uh, uh, lady who was older than I was, and by older, I mean, not only age, but also professionally, right? Mm. She was, you know, well into her career and and I was trying to learn some things from her of that, course. you know, nobody was there, you know, for me to learn some things. And she basically critiqued not only who I was as a person, but critiqued something that I cannot control. Totally. There, there's nothing I can do about my height, right? My mom My mom said early on, you've got two choices with your height. You can stand tall or you can hunch. Those mm. are your two options. So luckily I didn't hunch and I stood tall. So what I think about, and it's funny that, that I bring this up and, and, it, and it's not necessarily a coping mechanism, but yeah. for me, it was really about comfort. I think about when I walk into a room and as a woman, I can sit at a board table and I don't need to stand up, to shake hands, right? My advocate is I, I'm fine. I can sit there. Totally. So if a person walks in that's shorter than I am, I stay seated. I stay in my chair, I shake their hand mm-hmm. so that I don't have that intimidation factor because my goal is not to intimidate them, but to embrace them and let them understand who I am as a person, but also the education that I bring to the conversation and the warmth and love that I'm bringing every single time. My height should be the last thing on the list, Totally. but I really, I, I really thought long and hard about what she was saying. And I think when I thought about it and, and contemplated while I was writing this book, it was never about me. No. It was never about the way that I intimidated her, but I changed some of my behavior in order to make sure she took her own power back. So I acknowledged oh, that it was mainly a power thing there. hmm
0: that's interesting. So, it's, yeah, it's case by case, but it is owning your power and standing tall, even mm-hmm. if you're not 6'2", right? <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: right. right. You have to stand tall and hard to your conviction, my nugget number three. That's right. So, right, exactly. So for me, it was, it was all about standing tall and not hunting.
0: <laughs> totally. Okay, so we know that, and we talked about this a little bit already, that fear holds women back. And you have a whole thing on fear. And I think it's so important. I do. (laughs) But we have to because you're right. This is, you know, guest after guest. And my own experience, this is what you see. Fear is what's holding people back from taking a chance, you know, following that internal whisper that's telling them, you know, that they have a dream that they want to put out there. So how do we reframe how we interact with fear? What, what, What advice do you have on that?
1: Yeah. So, so for me, I came up with my acronym, right? Mm -hmm. So in my book, I talk a little bit about, you know, everybody uses little acronyms to get them through whatever they're doing. So for me, my fear acronym, and I love the F word, by the way. So for those of you who are reading my book, just know it's in there several times. (laughs) Um, So, so the first thing that I talk about is the F word. So I basically say, fuck it, right? So, Mm So I know when it comes down to it, it's a perfect word for me and it makes me laugh for whatever reason. It just does. It's a noun. It's an adjective. It's a verb. Sometimes it's a word that just calms me down and gets Mm -hmm. me balanced. And it sort of makes me giggle every once in a while, right? Because I think it's that little girl that comes out and says, oh, my gosh, it's the word I shouldn't be using. Mm -hmm. And I come back to my little girl thoughts about why it makes me laugh. So mm-hmm. for me, it just calms me down. So that's the first thing that I say. That's the F in fear for me. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I I say is embrace it, which is the E in fear. So it's really meaning wrapping my arms around the situation that's creating that fear, actually understanding what type of fear it is. And if it's something that I'm going to die, which is never the answer, or if it's something that really I'm going to you know, have some sweat and have some pain and have some, you know, some fear that comes up, how am I going to embrace that? So really just understanding the decision to embrace that fear and not getting stuck in that analysis paralysis, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people get stuck in. Totally. Then my A is I approach it, right? And so for me, I approach it. I maybe, you know, do a pro-con list. I maybe look at it and analyze it a little bit here, but I'm approaching it. And then I'm also creating it so that I'm not stuck in a loop and making that decision pretty, pretty quick. Mm -hmm. I'm approaching it rather than analyzing it, which is a little bit different, right? So if you think about, you know, something that's on the ground that you don't know what it is, you're going to approach it with a little bit of hesitation, but I'm still going to approach it. And I think that's the other thing for me that I can certainly, you know, look at and approach it. And then finally, my R is I run into it, right? I run into it. Mm-hmm. I run into it to a loud and high and heavy and excited and everything else that comes with it. And so I'm running into that about anything that has held me back or anything that I'm ready to embrace to try something new. So that's my fear acronym, and, and it works for me, mm-hmm. and it really has helped me propel into all kinds of categories that I never thought I could succeed in.
0: Yeah, because you've taken those situations where you've felt the fear, and you've done this, and you've gone for it anyway.
1: That's yeah, really yeah, and, and maybe sweated a little bit too much you know, maybe I sweated a little bit too much through my clothes, but you know what? Sweat's good, right? That's how mm-hmm. fear is coming out. But for me, it was really just about running into it and running towards it and embracing it. And just knowing that, you know, it's, it's not going to kill me. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger, right? Totally. I know. I love her too.
0: I love her too. And, and I think it's good that you mentioned that, yeah, you're sweating it through. It's not that you're not feeling the fear you're you're right. going through these steps and you're saying i'm just going to have to you know you're not going to stop me i get it You're not going to stop me.
1: And I still haven't found any good deodorant to stop the sweat. So I'm still going to (laughs) sweat through any kind of fear. And I'm here to tell you that it's just going to keep on coming. And, you know, hopefully when I hit menopause, I'll stop sweating. But that's,
0: I can only dream for that. Is that what's supposed to happen? (laughs) I didn't know that was one of maybe the only benefits that comes from all of that. That's true. (laughs) That's really funny. I didn't know that. Um, Yes, totally. So if you're listening and, you know, the point is, for sure. If you're feeling fear, we all feel fear. It's just a part of life, but don't let it hold you back. Don't let it hold you back from those dreams and try this acronym and see if you can't, you know, approach it in in a different way. Um, So you were alluding to this a little bit earlier. So I'm going to read from your book because this made me laugh. You say, you write, uh, do you ever see men walking around with notebooks or wearing t-shirts or jewelry that says boss man or empowered men empower men? Or nevertheless, he persisted. F, no, you don't see them. Uh, but there's a whole slew of women out there who do, and it's basically to remind themselves that they're powerful. So um, I want to come back to this concept of power because to hit seven figures, you really need to be standing in your power. Like you're not you're not going to get there if you're not owning. And even six figures or even uh, just doing whatever's in your heart to do. Business. Yes, just starting, literally just starting, or mm-hmm. just taking control of your life and doing more for yourself. You have to stand in your power. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then you say, I think it's because we tend to give our power away, for sure. Women certainly do, and need a reminder that truly we hold all the cards and that we can take back our power as many times as we give it away. I loved that. Mm-hmm. We can give it back. Thank to- you. I love that. Um, so yeah, let's get and, into this. And we do,
1: you know, yeah. e- every day we do that too, you know, so every day you fight that battle. Did I give my power away? Do I need to take it back? I think, I think there's that constant fight that's going on. Um, and I think it's really important to understand, you know, when you look at social media, especially mm-hmm. there's a whole slew of women out there posting those types of things, mm-hmm. right? You I go, have,
0: girl, and I've, 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 done the empowered <laughs> women, empower women. I've done that one because We kind of need to say it, and you acknowledge that. Like, we are breaking barriers here, but
1: no, men are not doing this. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, being raised with two brothers, it's interesting the things that they stand in versus, Mm -hmm. you know, where I stand in my power. So I think the thing that women forget is being a woman is so powerful, right? So. I think we just forget about that and, and give it away and allow people to, you know, change some directions that maybe we shouldn't allow for change, right? So so it's important to me for women to acknowledge that and to understand that being able to take your own power back is power and being able to not give it away is also power.
0: Totally. I actually have a chapter in my book. It's, it's called um, Your Femininity is Powerful. And so it's about owning yeah. your power as a woman and your femininity. And that's that's yes. the good thing. We need to bring that more into business. Okay, so this was key. You talked about how women introduce themselves. This was really, really mm-hmm. key. And, you know, we don't own the fact that we're CEOs and business owners, whereas men do. They first, they tell you right up, you know, I'm, you know, I, I'm a CEO. I run this company, whatever. You say, they say things like, I do PR. I do copyright law. Let's talk about this. This is really important.
1: Yeah, so it sort of goes hand in hand with one of my favorite not- motivational nugget, and that's number six, which is to grow a penis, right? Oh, yeah. And so We're getting into this. I, I have that on here. We're getting into this. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about. <laughs> oh, the I penis. can't wait. Okay. So, so uh, you know, for for me, it's really about having the conversation about owning your power, but also being able to show up in that environment. So. Um yes, yes, knowing that most women, when they talk about what they do, they don't necessarily talk about being the CEO of a company. So think about a man at a cocktail party, right? A man who owns his own company will come up and tell you everything about it. We'll tell you about the business. We'll tell you about the revenue. He might even tell you about the car he drives. He might even tell you about how great <laughs> of a house it is, where he's went on vacation, right? And so if you have the same conversation to a woman, they downplay everything. Totally, yeah. So so there's part of me that's saying, why are we not either A, growing a penis or B, yelling your story from the mountaintops, right? Both of these things are two key points that women just don't do. And I think a lot of it comes with power again. So when you say, I'm a CEO of a PR agency, or I'm a CEO of a law firm, or Mm -hmm. I'm a CEO of a software company, there's some power that comes from saying those words sure. to a stranger. Totally. And I think where, where we fail a little bit is that, that committee that's in your head saying, oh, gosh, don't say you're a CEO. It may show up that you're, that you're you know, too this and too that and too cocky and too arrogant and all the other things that play in that loop. No, girl, yell it. Yell it from the mountain path. It's great to be a CEO. It's great to have that title. Absolutely. So I always just want people to know, yell that story and make sure that you're stepping up to the table with your power. And that's just another power play that I want to encourage women to do for sure.
0: Absolutely. And in terms of power play, you did mention the phoenix. So what is growing a penis about? Because I know you talk about it's important that women do this. How do we grow a penis, and what is a penis?
1: <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? It's yeah. a great word. So, <laughs> so, you know, thinking about thinking about, you know, my younger days and how I had to show up in those boardrooms and in those meetings. Every man around the table was basically throwing their stuff on the table, whatever their stuff was, Mm -hmm. how great they were, their sales, they were, you know, what whatever it was. And, and, And I didn't really have that to throw on the table. Maybe I was too young in my career. Maybe I didn't have the sales. Maybe I didn't have, you know, the big wins or whatever it was. And so I sat back and watched all of this happen. And it really was the one-ups, right? It's the Mm -hmm. one-ups and it's the competing against each other. And it was really about throwing your junk on the table. So for me, I really sort of thought about what could a woman do to <laughs> basically throw her junk on the table right? to match or, that energy, so, to, match to match that match energy, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. we don't really have junk, so we have to <laughs> sort of figure out what we're going to do. So I came up with this word about penis, right? A female penis, which is basically where where penis came together. And I really sort of thought about what was it that you're going to throw on the table? So for me, it could be the fact that I'm really intelligent or it could be, it could be the fact that I've read something really horrible and really complex and I can boil it down to something really palatable that some people can understand. Mm -hmm. So I also talk a little bit about, you know, when people trash talk on the court, right, being an athlete, Mm -hmm. you just want your game to show. And so I think what I want to always tell people about is whatever it is that your penis represents, whatever it is that it looks like, that becomes your power. And maybe those are the things that you need to think about when you're in those situations where they're throwing out numbers and power and you know, size of their cars and size of their houses and whatever else and size of their junk or whatever it is that you come up with the Venus that makes you hold your power.
0: Totally. And I remember watching the display of what you're talking about. And, you know, with really good people, I have to say the men and women, you know, the guys were great, but there was an energy in the room in terms of how they sat, how they interacted, how the women showed up. It was really... It was, it was at the corporate partner meetings and I'd sit in on those and it was a really interesting dynamic to, to watch. It's just what you're talking about, but not in a, in in this case with a very good group of people who were not overly, uh, Mm -hmm. impressed with themselves, but for sure there was power plays going on. There were absolutely Mm -hmm. power plays going on and you could see it. The struggle is real. (laughs) This is another. Mm. You discussed the importance of asking for help and not pretending everything's great. And actually, this kind of goes hand in hand, but we're obviously talking business now with this, but also life. And uh, you said there were plenty of times when you were starting your business and just different stages where you were guilty of it and struggling and you didn't let anyone know. And I think we do this. We want to say, you know, how are things? Great. Are they? (laughs) But You're right. right. So give us a, a, an example of how to change that script and what it would look like to be able to ask for help when we need it.
1: Yeah. So the example that I use in my book is about um, I watched, you know, some reality TV show about mm-hmm. a business owner and a, a woman business owner mm-hmm. who is dating one of her employees mm-hmm. who is a sales guy. And she was saying how great everything was and how many orders are coming in and and how great everything's going to be and a new building that she's looking at and all these other things that ended up being such a fake and phony, right? She was in debt, $2 million. Her car was being repossessed. She hadn't paid her rent and everything that she was saying on camera was great. Everything's great. Everything's great. And so it made me think, about why are we actually saying how great it is Mm. when she was sitting in front of somebody who could have helped her out of that situation? I mean, here was the person sitting across the camera who had grown multiple businesses, who understood, you know, the dynamics of a repossession of a car and a repossession of a building and all these other things. And instead of saying to this gentleman, please, I need help. And here's what's going on. She went through this entire TV show about how great her business was. And then you see at the end, all the things that are occurring off camera that actually show how not great it was. So it just got me thinking that if you just open up your mouth for one simple health, hmm. it will start flowing out. And all she needed to say is, I don't know how I'm going to make payroll this week. Yeah. He would have been able to come up with a solution. Or what she could have said was, my car's just being repossessed and I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> right. So and and these are of course, you know, very extreme situations. And I know that they're set up for TV. I get all that stuff. But I'm here to tell you, I've had the conversation where I didn't know how I was gonna make payroll, also. Mm. I put down all my credit cards at the bank and saw what I could have in all wow. my credit cards in order to make payroll. And I did it and didn't ask for help. And and there were probably better ways to do it than putting it on my credit card. And if I would have opened up my mouth and asked for help, I would have then been able to know, okay, great. This is how I need to do it. And here's somebody that's also been in my position. And regardless about what happens, it's all about those experienced shares that come back when you open up your mouth. So when a person says to you, oh gosh, yeah." hell, it took me three times to make payroll, or mm. I haven't paid myself in three years because I've been paying my employees. Mm. And so when you open up your mouth to have that and wait for the experience shares to come back from whoever you're speaking to, yeah. you grow so much more as a person, but you also grow on how you're going to solve that problem.
0: Totally. This is so good. And do you think it's a, an issue with women or do you think men and women both do this? I'm just curious.
1: Your thoughts. Hmm. I think it's I think it's a vulnerability issue. Yeah. Uh, but I also think there's that whole, which of course is one of my other nuggets. It's that whole, you know, fake it till you make it yes. scenario that we've thrown out there to say to people, especially business owners you know, just fake it till you make it. And and people giggle when they say that. And I hate that phrase so much because mm-hmm. you don't want to fake it. No. So if you're going through these issues where you can't make payroll, or you're going through these issues where you don't know how you're going to handle this and that, you're faking it if you're not asking or you're not talking about it. And you're not looking for shares from somebody who's been there, done it. Because there's lots of people that have been there and done it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, when I asked about, you know, is it a male or female issue? I think you're right. I think it is a vulnerability issue. And also, though, with women, we always want to have the answers and be helpful, <laughs> right? So it's it's not wanting to say like, oh, you know, it's like wanting well, to be I in service. We, we, of,
1: yeah. Yeah, I think we always want to try also to solve the problem, yes. right? So if, if my problem is which is, it, this is a true story. My problem is, is I'm, you know, $2,000 short on payroll this month. I'm going to look to what I've got in my possession without asking for help yeah. to see can, how can I come up with that $2,000. I threw every credit card there was and I made it by one penny, wow. right? So I think for me, it was really about learning that example of when I opened up my mouth and actually asked for the experience shares from people, again, that have been there, or maybe just even, you know, have a, have a different opinion on things. It just really opened up my mind to, gosh, I'm not going it alone. Mm -hmm. I'm not battling my committees in my head. And I really have a solution now because this person has told me how they did this. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's threefold for me. And and again, going back to your and my favorite quote, right. Empowered women, empowered women. Right. And so it became an empowering thing to actually open up my mouth and ask for help. Mm-hmm.
0: And then people love helping. That's the funny part. We don't even yeah. know. That. People <laughs> love It's like everyone, you know, if you get an email, can you help? It's like, yes. Oh my goodness. I didn't realize. Sure. Of course. You know, you don't realize people are just wanting to be of service. Um, so Kristen, this sort of also ties into community because mm. you talked about this and i think this is important you, you must you right you must find people who are on a similar t- trajectory as you mm. let's get into this cuz this yeah. is so important cuz women are you know everybody's so connected online but you need that you need those your peeps right
1: you do. You, you need your girlfriends. You need your peeps. You need you need <laughs> that hard ass business coach that's going to totally. yell at you. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people that you need in your committee to be, to basically you know quiet your committee in your head. Think about all the things that you say in your head and how mm-hmm. many of those things in your head are actually coming through. There's probably ten or twelve or fifteen. Mm-hmm. You need some people to help combat that for sure. But I, I think for me, it's about women that are on that trajectory. Really about women that want to be in that seven-figure business, running and operating seven-figure businesses. But I knew that that's what I wanted. You know, the next you know group of friends that I look for is the group of friends that want to work out at four thirty or five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so then I find that trajectory, right? So I then I then I find those friends. And that support system. Mm. Then the next support system I look for is women that want to start drinking wine at noon in the afternoon, <laughs> or, or it's noon somewhere, and I don't really care what time it is, I want to start drinking wine. So I then I find those friends. So for me, it was really about finding whatever friends or whatever trajectory or whatever people and mentors and sisters and brothers and you know, whatever, whatever role they take in your life being able to find those type of people and put and be on the same path with them.
0: Yes, for sure. We all need community. We all need it. Um. So I, I'm glad that we just focus on that a little bit. Now, I have to ask, so the last interview we did, you said, you know, one way to get to seven figures, you got to have, you know, I'm all about systems. And I'm realizing I didn't dig a little mm. deeper. Now, so much of we talked about is about the mindset and, and, you know, what you need to do and how do you need to show up to own your power. But can you touch upon, I don't know, a couple of your pro tips on systems?
1: Yeah. I, I've become a systems junkie, right? Mm-hmm. So everything that I do in business is all about putting it onto a conveyor belt that either I handle or somebody else can handle. And a conveyor belt to me is, here's what you do in step one, and here's what you do on step two, and here's what you do on step three. And I'm a visual person, so a conveyor belt works for me. Mm-hmm. And it always works with you know businesses when you've got products or services or solutions, and you think about what's the life cycle or what's the cycle in general of what you're doing and what you're providing? So for us, it's, you know, HR and compliance services. That's what we do. And Mm -hmm. we've got products and they purchase those products. And there's, you know, steps that they have to do along the way to get to the delivery of that product. So everything for me is put on a system. I systematically do things in my household the same every time, right? Laundry is the same every time. And, you know, there's a systematic approach to it. And so for for me, it's about building the systems to keep you not only in the power position, but mm-hmm. also in the wind position, right? When you veer off from your, from your systems and you know, okay, here's step one, here's step two, and then you go, oh gosh, here's 2A and here's 2B and here's 2C. And now I'm going to branch from 2C over here. And when you go to that type of Um, you know, mind mapping where you're moving around and you're not necessarily staying on the same system, you can get lost and you can get a lot, you you can get a loss, meaning you don't get your win. So I think if you put it on a system and, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four, yay, I won. Great. Everything is done. It now becomes a, a game also to some extent that you put it in a system, but you also know where you're at in that system.
0: So good. But what if people aren't good at systems?
1: (laughs) Mm. Well, systems my jam. I love systems. It's my jam. So I can look at businesses and I can say to you, put this on a system. Here's your step one. Here's your step two. Here's your step three. And so certainly, again, experience shares. Ask for help. If you say to me, Kristen, I suck at systems, I'd say to you, Michelle, great, let's let's have a 10-minute conversation, of course, over wine, and let's then talk about what it is that you need systems-wise, and I probably could give you a system that day. But that's my jam. I'll tell you yeah. what isn't my jam. Accounting, right. right? I hate accounting. It bores me to death for a variety of reasons, but for some people out there, that's their jam, and if yeah. it is your jam, I'm sorry, but it's their jam. So I think you've got to know where your jam is and where you have to ask for help.
0: Yeah, but I do think that systems are essential for success, at least to to scale to seven figures and beyond. Don't you agree?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. I think the, the way you have to view your business or even your life is everything has to be in a system and everything has to have a process. And if it doesn't have a process or a system, you're it's left too much to the imagination. You're left too much to your committee. Mm-hmm. So what I really feel is that, you know, putting it on a system really makes sure that you are straight ahead, you're going north, you know what's going to happen next, and there's no questions along the way.
0: So good. Um, we've covered a lot, but if the women were to remember sort of one key takeaway, one message that you want to really have like resounding in their mind and hearts, what would it be today?
1: That no is a powerful word. Figure out what it does to you. For me, it was motivation or motivation. (laughs) And for some people, it stops them in their tracks. But no is a powerful word and figure out what you're going to do with it.
0: Awesome. And you said you were dyslexic and your no became your on. (laughs) <laughs>
1: that's right, isn't that great? I love that Keep on press on that's be right. on that's right no, what, what, whatever it was, no became my on exactly right.
0: So they can take that too. they can they can flip it. They can flip it and and turn it on. Well, this has been another great conversation. Such a pleasure always to talk to you, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Thanks as always for tuning in. All of the show notes can be found over at thegoodlifecoach.com forward slash 071 for today's conversation. There will be a link to Kristen's book, Motivation where you can link to purchase a copy or you can head on over to Amazon and find it there as well. If you've yet to download your copy of the Discover Your Purpose questionnaire, it's free and on the website and it will be up for a couple more weeks and I'll have a new freebie that I will be offering. So it will be going away. So if it's something that you're interested in, uh, you can get it by heading over to thegoodlifecoach.com. You'll see a sign up on every page. And you can also just hit reply when you receive the introductory email saying hello from me. And just let me know what's on your mind, what topics you want more of, or any feedback from any of the episodes that you've listened to. It's always such a pleasure connecting with you. So thank you so much for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now.